Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank our praise team. Thank our choir. Thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to the book of Judges. The book of Judges. We uh, look in the Old Testament, and we'll look at chapter 7. We'll look at perhaps uh, just a few verses for our text and several verses of that chapter as we continue along in the, in the message. But thank you so much for being here. Judges chapter 7. Words should be printed on the screen, but if you would, out of reverence and respect and honor to the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God, if you would, just stand as I read these verses. Judges 7, we'll read verses 1 through 7, and then uh, have a prayer. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod. So that the camp of the Mennonites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. Verse 2, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give to the Mennonites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid... Let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water. I'll test them for you there. And then it will be that of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, This one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. And so he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lap put in their hand to their mouth was about 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By these 300 men... Who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Mennonites into your hand. Let all the people go and every man to his place. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to worship you in song, praise, and hymns. And now, Father, as we come to open your word, help us to realize that it is your word to us. It's the inspired word of God. It's God-breathed. You're speaking to us as we read these words. And so pray, I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will take your word, let it penetrate our heart, that we will not be just hearers, but doers. Lord, we pray now that you'll be honored and glorified. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say the man. And Lord, that I won't say anything that you would have me not to say. Thank you for all that you've done for us and this opportunity to be here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and please be seated. I want to share with you this morning a sermon that I've just entitled, Look What God Can Do With a Few. Look what God can do with a few. Now, I understand I didn't know it till this morning. I don't read the adult Sunday school lesson out of the Vine study. But I understand you've been studying the book of Judges and maybe have gone over this chapter. So this may be a review to some extent or maybe I think God has something new for us in here or he wouldn't have me to share it. 
but uh, I appreciate uh, your faithfulness in being here as I share God's Word this morning. You know, I've discovered that the challenge of living a Christian life in an immoral and pleasure-driven world can be kindly overcoming at times. It can really be overwhelming at times. Most Christians today make no attempt whatsoever to have an impact on their culture for the Lord. We're just in the culture for the most part. Not many politicians live their faith. Some do, some do, but just a few live their faith. Not many teachers in education live their faith. Some do. We're blessed to have some in our school system here. We're blessed to have teachers who attend church here that, that live their faith, but not everyone does. Not all teachers do, but a few do, just a few. Just a few in education live their faith. We have a few students. We have students, we have some great students here. We have a few students in school who are willing to live their faith. Not all Christian students live their faith, but uh, a few do, and I thank God for those few. Maybe on your job, there's just a few who are willing to live for the Lord Jesus on your job. Not many, but that there's a few. So therefore, at times we become filled with despair and we have a sense of defeat because there's just a few of us, we seem to think. And so we ask this question, we ask a simple question. What can God do? What can a, well, what can first, what can a few do? We'll ask that question. Well, it's just a few of us. What can a few do? But that's not the question we're dealing with this morning. It's not what a few can do, but it's what God can do with a few. That's the question. And so the book of Judges is about the children of Israel, and they're being brought into the land of promise, and they find themselves surrounded with this pagan, um, pagan uh, hostile culture. But there's a few Israelites who live for God. They live for the truth. But at the same time, the truth of the matter is the majority of God's people at that time, they yielded, they bowed down, they caved in, they kind of knuckled under, submitted to the culture that was around them. So the point is, they were only a few that God could count on. Just a few. Just a few. But we need to be encouraged. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6 says this, There is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or save by a few. So God can use many to save or he can use a few to save. He's not under any kind of restraint. But overall, God has always chosen not to use the crowd, but to use the few, to use the few. And so the point being, the number really doesn't matter to the Lord. The number really doesn't matter to the Lord. The Lord doesn't have to have a big crowd to get the job done. Now, you might be tempted to ask, well, what can a few do? But remember, the question is, what can God do with a few? So in Judges chapter 7, God's getting Israel ready to, battle the, to go to battle with the Midianites. 
And uh, the odds are overwhelming to Gideon. Gideon was just an ordinary man, just like you, like me. Just an ordinary person. He, had, he, he was like us in his faith, but he was also like us in fear. He had faith, but at the same time, he had fear. He was just an ordinary man. And if you want to know a little about Gideon and how God used him in chapter 6, one chapter over in verse 34, the Bible says that, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. That word came upon in the Greek simply means this. The Spirit of the Lord covered Gideon complete as if you would put on a, a jacket. He just wrapped Gideon in his spirit. Now, I want you to think just for a moment. Think what God could do with you. And think what he could do with me. Think what he could do with us here at Mountain View. If we would just allow him, allow him to wrap us in his spirit. To cover us in his spirit. Think what we could do. Think how God could use us. Now, what did Gideon do when God chose to use him? First of all, he blew a trumpet and he assembled a crowd of people. And the Bible tells us there was about 32,000 people that came to be in his army to fight for the Lord. Now, there's a difference between a crowd and those who want to do what God wants them to do. There's a difference between a crowd and those who want to be what God wants them to be. So the point is, it's easy to get a crowd. Real easy to get a crowd. I told a young preacher one time, he was talking about crowds and he was talking about numbers. And sometimes if you're not careful, you get wrapped up in numbers. And I remember a seminary professor said, listen guys, he said, you can have a one ring circus and bring a crowd. You can have a two-ring circus and bring a bigger crowd. Then you can have a three-ring circus and bring three times of a crowd. But he said, you, you can't have a four-ring circus. And I got to thinking about that last night going over my notes. You can't even find a circus now. <laughs> I mean, when's the last time you've been to a circus? Well, it's not about the crowd. You see, people followed Jesus when he was doing miracles and when he was feeding them with bread and fish. He had a great following. But all of a sudden, the crowd began to go away when the Lord began to make demands. John 6, verse uh, 66 through 68. Listen to what Jesus said. John 6, and we're going to pick up with verse 66. For that time, for, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the twelve, will you also go away? And so he had this big following. He just fed them. And they were following him for bread and fish. And he turned and he made some demands and they all went away. And then he turned to his disciples and he says, will you also go away? So he had the crowd but they began to go away when the demands were met. See, you can, you, can, you can make up a crowd. It's easy to get a crowd. But it's not the crowd that matters. What matters are those who allow God to use them to make a difference. 
for him to make a difference in their lives and to use them to make a difference in the lives of other people. So there's a difference, point being, in building a crowd and building a church. Big difference. The point is, it's not the crowd that makes the difference, but it's the few who are willing to allow God to use them to make a difference. So first thing Gideon did, he gathered a crowd. The second thing he did, God, or God did, God reduced his army. Did you notice that? Verse 3 says, verse 3 says, in Judges chapter 7, Therefore proclaim to the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from out Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. So he had 32, and he says, listen, Gideon, I want you to do something. I want you to look at the people, and I want you to make an announcement and tell them that those that are fearful and afraid to go back home. So Gideon looked at that opposing army, no doubt. He had 135,000 he was going up against. He looked at his 32,000, and he's thinking, my goodness. Right then, the odds were four to one. And Gideon said, Lord, that's just too few people. And God says, no, that's too many people. He said there in verse 2. And Gideon said, Lord, how do you figure that? And God says, the people will bump themselves. In other words, they'll take all the glory. So I want you to cut them back. I've got a plan, Gideon. That plan is in verse 2 and 3. The ones who are fearful and afraid, I want you to send them home. Because God knew that fear was contagious. If you hang around a person that's fearful all the time, you're going to become fearful. But at the same time, God knew that faith was contagious. If you hang around a person that has extreme faith, your faith is going to be increased because they have faith. So faith is contagious. Fear is contagious. And Gideon says, listen, if you're fearful and afraid, go home. So what happened? 32,000. 22,000 went home. Why? Because they were fearful and afraid. If you're fearful and afraid, if your faith is like water, go home. If your faith is, is, if your heart is like sand, go home. If you're all about yourself and not about what I want or what I desire or about me, go home. And 22,000 went home. So 32 minus 22 leaves you 10,000. So he had 10,000 to go up against 135,000. Now can you imagine Gideon going up to the coffee shop and a bunch of preachers sitting around there talking and said, well, how'd your service go, Gideon? How'd it go Sunday? And Gideon said, well, it, it went pretty good. Well, how many additions did you have? He said, well, I didn't have no additions. We had subtractions. Oh, he had subtractions. Yeah, we had subtractions. How many did you lose? Oh, we lost 22,000. How many additions did you have? Well, we didn't have any of those. But we have 10,000 left. 10,000 left. Which is a God wasn't through with Gideon. God says, Gideon, that's too many. 
He said, God, that, that's, that should be plenty. He said, no, that's, that's too many. And so he said, I want to put the people to a test. Let me tell you something. God's putting you to a test. He's putting me to a test. He's putting us through a test. He's putting us through a test to see if we're going to be obedient to him regardless of the size of the crowd. The point is the test is remind us not to be fearful. We must have confidence in our Lord God always. So we have a new situation here. Well, we have 10,000 to go up against 135,000. In verse 4, look what he says in verse 4. The Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. I want you to bring them down to the water and I'm going to give a test. I'm going to test them there for you. And then it'll be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, and the same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go with you. So he carried them down to, to drink water. And this was the test. They go down to drink water there in verse 5. And God says, pay attention to how they drink. If they fall down on their knees, that's one group. If they fall down on their knees, you ever watch these westerns? Or am I the only one that does that? They'll come to a water hole, and you know what they do? They'll just fall over in that water hole, and they'll begin to drink. He said, you need to watch those because they're not looking around. They're not looking around for, for an ambush. They're not looking around for the enemy. They, they've lost focus, so set them aside. But pay attention to those that just get down on their knees, and they cup that water, and they lap it like a dog while they're looking around and while they're observing and while they're looking for the enemy and while they're prepared to fight and set those to the other side. And so those that lap water like a dog, there were 300 of those, 300. And so after the test, the 1,000, the 10,000 dropped down to 300, and so Gideon lost 9,700 more. Can you imagine Gideon going back downtown to the coffee shop? They said, Gideon, how'd it go, son? And he said, it went pretty good. How was your service? It's good. Do you have any additions? No, we had subtractions. Subtractions? Yeah, we lost 9,700 more. But we got 300. We got 300. Now the odds are 450 to 1. So God's bringing them down to just utter hopelessness, absolute dependency, helplessness, totally dependent upon him. And sometimes the point is God will cut down our resources where we'll completely depend upon him. Just a few depend on him. Just a few to give him the glory. If you have just a few that will depend on him, if you have just a few that will give him the glory, you can win some battles in this world with just a few. So, are you aware that God always works with a few? You ever thought about that? You know, the master's minority, I call them the master's minority, they get the job done, just a few of them. The faithful few, those on fire, the ones who do the work for the Lord. We have over 400 members here at our church, over 400. And uh, a good crowd on Sunday morning based on the things that's happened since 19, uh, 2019 and 20 and 21. 
and a, and a, a medium crowd on Sunday night, and a lesser crowd on Wednesday night. But the point is, it's just a few that are willing to do the work. They're Gideon's 300. You know, when you, you I grew up in scouting, some of you hunt and fish and outdoors in the winter and you build a fire and the first thing you do you don't get a big log start a fire with but you get that small kindling a small kindling wood just some kindling God's looking for kindling wood he's looking for just not 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 a lot but just a little to get the fire going that's what he's looking for and so Gideon he he gathers a crowd and then he re, his army's reduced and then all of a sudden, God assures him he's going to have a victory. He assures this general. Look at verse 9 right quick. It happened on the same night. The Lord said to him, Arise and go down to the camp, for I've delivered it to your hand. But if you're afraid to go down, go to the camp with Pura, your servant. So God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to slip down to the camp. And they weren't that far away. Even when they drank water, they weren't far away from the enemy. But he took a, he took a friend... And he goes down and he eavesdrops with a, two enemies, uh, the enemies having a conversation, two men in a tent having a conversation. And they're talking about this. One of them had this dream that he saw this barley row coming down and it came down a hill and it, it ran through the Midianite camp and it destroyed everyone. It hit his tent. He was upset about that. Verses 13 through 15, you can read about that later. But the enemy knew that the victory would go to Gideon because of that dream he had. Now let me say this. Those who are opposing God are fighting a losing battle. Always remember, when you go against God, you're going to lose that fight. You, you'll lose it every time. And so the enemy knew, hey, they were up against Gideon's God, and, and Gideon was going to receive the battle. He's going to receive the victory. God had just promised the few that they were going to be victorious. And so don't worry just because you're a few. Don't worry because you're a few. If God is for you, who can be against you? And so Gideon understood, and so he goes back. And so this general's assured and then forth and finally, he defeats the enemy. Gideon begins to hand out his battle equipment, verses 16, uh, 16 through 18. And he hands him a trumpet, he hands him a horn, and he hands him a jug, this earthen vessel. Kind of reminded me uh, years ago when I went to New Mexico. We stopped at uh, some store and my parents bought this uh, clay jar. And it was made out of clay, it was made by Native Americans. And it was very brittle, very brittle. It reminded me of that jar. And he hands them a trumpet. He hands them a very brittle jar. And then he hands them a torch. And that wasn't a big, long torch. It was a torch that would fit in that jar. And they were to light that torch. They were to blow the trumpet. And they were to break that jar when Gideon told them to. And you look at those three pieces. What's the horn for? Well, it could represent witness. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 8 says, From you sounded out the word of the Lord. And so a few 
can give a witness. 300 can give a witness. 200 here can today could give a witness. Do you witness for the Lord? Do you share a witness in some way every day for the Lord? Do you just invite someone to the church? Do you just share a witness God's been good to me? Let me tell you what God did for me yesterday. And just share with somebody, give a witness for the Lord. So the trumpet could be sounding out, could be sounding out a witness. But then the clay jars, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, we have this treasure, meaning the gospel, in clay pots. And it speaks of, it reminds us of our weakness. We're just weak instruments of God. We're just pots of clay, jars of clay. We're, we're only clay pots ready to be used by the master. And notice the way the vessels could be used. They were to be broken. They were to be broken. That's true for you and for me. We're to be broken. If God's breaking you today, if he's breaking you, it's because he wants to use you to be a blessing some way. He uses broken vessels. Then he gave them a torch. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says that you and I are the light of the world. Listen to God. 2 Corinthians, let me read that. 2 Corinthians uh, 4, verse, uh, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Now get the picture. They have the clay pots. They have a torch inside lit to be the light. They have a trumpet to sound. And so God is preparing them to attack this enemy. And God is going to break them, and he's broken them already. And he has the number down to, to 300. And so here's the point. When you blow the trumpet, sound your witness. When you're aware of your weakness, and you let him break you so your light can shine, then the light of Jesus can be seen, and you'll be used of God. That was the whole point. Look, if you will, at verse 20 and close in verse 20 and 21. Then the three companies, he divided them up into three companies, 100 in each company, and surrounded the enemy. They blew the trumpets, they broke the pictures, they held the torches in their left hand, and the trumpets in their right hand of blowing, and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now, who goes first here? Was it... Was it Gideon and the Lord? No, it was the sword of the Lord and Gideon. It was God and Gideon. The same way it is with us. It should be with God and Mountain View Baptist Church. God and Mountain View Baptist Church. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried and they fled. My goodness. Look what God did with a few. So here's the question as we close. Are you willing to be part of a few? Not part of the crowd, but part of the few. Part of the few here at Mountain View that's willing to be used of God to fulfill his purpose of reaching a lost world to himself by evangelizing the lost and discipling the saved. Are you willing to be a part of the few? Are you willing to be part of God's minority? Are you willing to be part of God's 300? There's going to be some tough days ahead. But if you'll be a witness, God will bless your effort. He's looking for the few that will do the work. You know, I was thinking about, uh, about 
our job and responsibility as a Christian. And what we're up against, we're up against the devil. And God has encouraged me more in the last month than he, you know, that I've experienced in, year, in, in a long time. And, and I just have this zeal to keep going forward, to just keep pounding forward toward the gates of hell, pound on the gates of hell. The Bible tells us that the gates of hell will not prevail against us, his church. Matthew chapter 16. Just listen to this verse, these verses. Verse 13. Peter came to him, Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples. Jesus said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say John the Baptist and Elijah and other Jeremiah and one of the prophets. And he said, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You're Christ. You're, you're the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you, Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hell's not going to stop us if we commit ourselves to do what God would have us to do individually and then as a faith family. I pray that you've chosen, decided to be a part of the few. If you haven't, I hope you'll do that today. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to share this morning. I thank you for each person that's here. And God, it's amazing. I stand amazed, God, in what you can do with a person and with a church that turns their life over to you, a church that turns themselves over to you, like, God, you can do great and marvelous things. And so we want to, I'm coming today, Lord, to, to, to say, Lord, you have all of me. Do with me what you want to do with me. But I pray, Lord, that I'll never disappoint you, that I'll keep marching forward, going forward, pounding toward the gates of hell, pounding on the gates of hell. I know, Lord, we're going to prevail. That's your promise. Help us as a church, we pray, to continue to go forward. And, Father, we pray now as we face uh, even more difficult times than we've faced in times past, that we'll continue to be encouraged, knowing that we're fighting for you. And, Lord, you're leading us into battle, and we're promised the victory, and we thank you for that. I pray for each person here. I thank you for each one present. And, and so, Father, I pray that you would increase our number, not for a crowd, but for just more who are determined to give you all of themselves to be a part of the few that would do the work that you've called us to do here. Thank you for what you're going to do today. And it's in the name of Jesus, I pray in his name. Amen.